leaning a bit forward into the book he does mention the narratives of masculinity which I wanted to bring up Chewy just finished the Mask of Masculinity but I won't dwell into that subject too much because we've already covered that in the last series he does mention it's become an accepted part of our culture today to believe that we are all destined to do something truly extra- extraordinary celebrities say it business tycoons say it politicians say it even Oprah says it so it must be true each and every one of us can be extraordinary we all deserve greatness the fact that this statement is inherently contradictory after all and he mentions in after all and he mentions that on page 60 and he goes on to further <coughs> further to explain that it is contradictory because if we all were great then inherited inherently great would just be average see yeah. that's a good point that oh, is a very good point gonna, yeah. sorry no so i thought about i thought it's different um quite i was going to actually ask a question but if you want to Cool, because I think it might lead into your question. Yeah, so I mentioned very briefly it might lead into your Ooh, question. Mystic Meg. No, no, I think, I think it will. Because you're talking about, because um, we're talking about great, I think, um, I've, I've, sorry, I've read and seen this somewhere before. Like, good is the um, enemy of great in that good, I think good is very, um, oh, what is the word that they've used? Good is, um, oh, God. Anyway, so good is the enemy of great in that good is um, a relative term. It's a relative term that you may say, you may say that is good, and I may say no, it's not good. Mm-hmm. So good is very relative. Whereas great is something that I think we can all relate to. We know what great. No, I think it's the same thing. Are you sure? Mm-hmm. No, it's not because you may say that the Ray and nephew is good. I'm just giving you. A, it's a very very simple example. Great. Everyone knows what great is. A great. When I think in my head, I, I can I can. Well, no, 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 in my head, because the only example I can think of is like footballers and Ronaldo and Messi. Yes, because everyone knows they're great. Yes, but I'm trying to think of something else. If I said this drink is great, you might turn around and say it's okay, and I can't think of anything else because I've got a drink in my hand. Yeah, I know that. But what I'm saying is, yeah, you could travel to a place and be like it's great, and I could be like I found it okay. It's only because it's only because we've got different thoughts or. I don't know. You might like historical places. I might like modern cities. I don't know. Does that make sense? So I'm really this. I'm really this to, towards achievements. There, I say. All right. So let's see. I think the drink one. I don't want to see it as a good or as a bad example. No, it's a bad example. Yeah. Oh, so okay, cool. So we agree on that. Okay, yeah. cool. Um, no, I think great. I think we can all say, you know, that was a great achievement. There, I say. Whereas good, our our um, taste in regards to good. Maybe may vary, but I think French. I think great is the same. Mm. I don't think so. I mean, it's just a fluid conversation, but that's my personal opinion. Great, there is a bar, and by the way, the word great is used far too often, and that's the thing because far great, too great gets used so often, it kind of does become devalues. Yeah, it, yeah, it devalues the term, and it all as I think mainly we're trying to get to the point of it then becomes perspective because your perspective of good and great may be a thin line between good and great. Like, things that, I don't know if this would be even a good example, but to put it into terms of uh, schools when they say it's good, it's, um, what's the Ofsted rating? Oh, yeah, Ofsted report. Yeah, yeah. Um, It's good. It's, it's, it's that outstanding. 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 Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there's a protocol to, okay, you need to have these certain things for this school to be outstanding we all know okay this school's outstanding because this this and that whereas go on so no, I thought that's a fantastic example in terms of school alright so if we're using school as an example so let the man finish <laughs> <laughs> no you should go on yeah go yeah, on, you should go on, on. Yeah. so if we're using school as a, 
This guy. This guy by interrupting. This guy. How did you finish? French, how did you finish? End of. End of. Go on. He said, you know what I was doing? Go, go. All right, cool. I thought school was a fantastic example because I think we all know, or right, well not all know, but I mean, for those who work in the um, education system, sector, yeah. we all know what an outstanding, <laughs> oh, God. we all know what an outstanding school is. Yeah. I mean, you walk into it, you know, I'm not saying you know straight away, but you definitely have yeah. a, yeah. and you all roughly know what a good school is. And I think there's loads of different varying things as to what a good school is because they'll have probably positive and negative aspects as to them, as to why they're only a good school and not an outstanding school. Yeah. All right, but in relating to, I think it was your question, but the point I'm making is, Sorry, I haven't made answered the question yet. But cool. oh no, but no, no, but the thing you, but the statement. This, oh, sorry, yeah. statement. Sorry, yeah. as to the statement that you made, I feel you can have someone, for example, who um, come from dare I say, I'm going to say a war, really, really simple example, a war-torn country mm. that has come to, let's say, the United States or come to the United Kingdom, mm. and then from there has got themselves into a position where they're in a, I want to say, a good job. That is a great achievement, depending on... What's, yeah, I mean, yeah, so you, So you're saying, so no, you're, I think your, statement, yeah. your statement was, if we all were great, there will be no good... I'm assuming yeah, no if, if everyone was to be great then there would be no, no great there but, would be no great yeah but what I'm saying is depending on your starting point and that was and that was the point I was kind of leading to okay no that's a good point you make a good point but that kind of does then lead on to my question in regards to do you believe we all deserve greatness I think, I think that's a simple yes why wouldn't you all deserve greatness but why wouldn't you I I don't think so. I you wouldn't deserve it. I think we yeah we all deserve greatness, but will we all get it? Or no, that's yeah. Is that, that's kind of where I was. Leaning why do we? Sorry, sorry. I'm missing something. Why do we? Both of you. Why do we all deserve greatness? But that's the point. That's what. Um, yeah, but you both said we do all deserve greatness. So I want to know why you both think that. Because as as a, a human to experience greatness, we des- we we deserve it to ourselves to to experience it. You're changing it up now. So I was going to say you just deserve the best. That's it. That was why. What? I, I don't know. I'm not talking about us three in the room. I'm talking about your everyday Billy down the road who hasn't worked a day in his life. Why does he deserve greatness? No, but I'm, I'm not talking about. Yeah. I'm talking about. Right, so you, right, this is a generalizing question you've asked about. We no, but I'm, you said we all deserve greatness. No. Are you talking about us three in the room? Are you talking about just everyone in life? <clears throat> that's what the people. That's what the, the statements is that we all deserve greatness. That you hear politicians yeah, so say question, it. Yeah. You hear. Polit- uh, so, uh, TV celebrities, Oprah, etc. Yeah, I know. And the fact that the re- I think the reason why they say it is because everyone deserves greatness to themselves. In terms of, if you're not willing to work for greatness, then you don't deserve greatness. But as a human, as a human, you deserve love. You deserve attention. You deserve uh, friendship. You deserve food, water, all those things that are essential to our life. I think we all deserve greatness, but whether we're willing to work for that greatness is down to us as an individual. Right, okay, there's a bit more perspective there now. Yeah, my thing was life's a beautiful thing. My life's very, very beautiful. I think you all deserve to experience it. It's, yeah, you all deserve to experience it. I think we all, again, we do deserve it, but if we're not willing to put the work in, as as May said, if you're just a bum sitting in your ass, then no, you don't deserve fuck all. Um... Yeah, moving on slightly, unless you wanted to add to it, P, or Mace. Um, no, I think I was kind of done on that now. The rare people who do become truly exceptional at something do so not because they believe they're exceptional. On the contrary, they become amazing because they're obsessed with, with improvement. And that obsession with improvement stems from an unerring belief that they are, in fact, not great at all. It's an anti-entitlement 
but she's on page 61. That's something I definitely like. Yeah. Accepting the blind and mundane truths of life, such as your actions actually don't matter that much in the grand schemes of things, and the vast majority of your life will be boring and noteworthy, and that's okay. Do you agree? I do agree. I highlight that exactly. Yeah. You agree? Yeah, I do. I think, yeah, I love the whole approach to um, anti entitlement and obviously the obsessment with improvement as well. I think there's almost like a notion as to. No, but this, the last the last excerpt that I read, which was accepting the bland and mundane truths of life. <coughs> Bless you. Thank you. Truths such as your actions don't actually matter that much in the grand scheme of things and the vast majority of your life will be boring and not noteworthy and that's okay. Do you agree? Yeah, it's, it's yeah. okay, man. It's, it's definitely okay. And that's the thing as well. <laughs> French, me and you were... <laughs> So off air before we even we, this is the thing, guys. So fully booked, blah blah blah. Yeah, we're a podcast, but we're boys as well. So we have like we can have an hour or two hour discussion before we even start the podcast, yeah. And we were discussing something about um, we were discussing about females and females in our own lives and the fact that sometimes that sorry when you're with a female you almost have this sense or feeling that you have to organise something most weekends to do something with them. Otherwise, you staying at home is boring or watching the film, just staying at home and not doing anything is not really what she wants or whatever. And one of the points, that's one of the points yeah. you've just made about actually just, just, do you know what I mean? Just staying in and not being this overall boss or whatever it is. It's not necessarily a, a, an unachievement or disachievement. I don't know the time. I'm going achievement. Yeah. Well, not achievement. So I don't know where I was going with that, but that just sprung to mind. Cool. I I personally, I agree and disagree without kind of sounding like I'm on the fence. But I think it's more I disagree with the first part of the statement and agree with the second part, which is your actions actually don't matter that much in the grand scheme of things. I don't believe that I think your actions do matter in the grand scheme of things. If we think about the butterfly effect, everything is attached to everything. Like every every time something occurs, it can make um say for example a snowball get that yeah, much yeah, bigger. Yeah, yeah. So if I go if I come out this morning and I just see a client and I say Wow, Mrs. Blah blah blah, you look fantastic today. Have you got your hair done? That is just a simple compliment. I'm just, I'm gonna keep doing what I'm doing, going away. She's now taking that, and that's giving her some kind of extra step in her spring and her foot. Yeah, all right. And okay. therefore, right, you've convinced me that yeah. transfers into right, something right, else. Right, right, cool. So I do believe right. that your actions do matter in the grand right. scheme of things. When you started speaking, I was fifty-fifty, and your last sample was convinced because it it led to an example in my head. Hmm. Um. Uh, first, I was going to say, your act, the sc- it depends on the scale of your actions. So, you've got Rosa Parks who wouldn't get up. And mm. that, what she done, reverberated all the way through. Yeah. To, so, that I mean, where we can now get in a bus. We're, no, it, yeah. It's no big thing if we don't get up. Yeah, Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. And you've got, like, you've got, you've got even slavery, the man them rising up in little states and whatnot yeah. and saying, nah, F this and dying for the cause yeah. for us. Yeah. So it, I was gonna say it depends on scale things, but then when you mentioned about your last action, something else sprung to mind. Right. So I think I mentioned this before. You know when I've done my odd little trips to 
Eastern Europe, the Eastern yeah. Bloc, as they call it, Poland yeah. and yeah, these yeah, kind yeah. of places. And people said, you're mad, you're going to get moved and all this. And I've done little teaching excursions and stuff. And yeah. I've always said, and that, one of my things I've said, there's a number of experiences I want to, I take from that. One of the experiences I want to give as well to when I go and help people, when I go and help people to learn English, when I've done it in the past, in like remote parts of Poland is, some of these people have never, so if you don't know, the pod, the podcast is all, we're all Afro-Caribbeans. And one of the experiences, or one of the things I wanted to give was, I've met these people, some of these people, because they live in really remote parts of the East, of Eastern Europe, they only have images portrayed of what they see on TV, or what we, unfortunately, society, where there's extreme poverty, you've got people coming over from, from third world countries into Europe and, and ending up in these random places like Poland who are, or France or wherever, and they're actually, they've got no hope, no one takes an interest in them, they're on the streets and so on, selling hats, baseball caps, scarves, jeans, whatever it is. And some of these people, because they're so tucked up in their own little world, they don't actually realise that not everyone's like that. So I've experienced things where I go abroad and people, and I've said to people I'm from London, they said, you were born in London? I'm like, yeah, and they can't quite fathom that. But I've been lucky enough to be in an environment with certain people where you're forced, they're forced and you're forced to get to know each other or get to know you and you're forced to get to know them and they speak to you. And then they realise, actually, do you know what? Like, this person is educated and they've, you know, they've actually come to teach me something and actually we're not that dissimilar. Like, yeah, there's different colours of our skin, but we're not actually that dissimilar. They have certain morals and values that that, that we hold close to our heart. They have dinner with their family at a certain time. They're, they're interested in making the world a better place. And by the end of it, you they leave knowing that actually, like, yeah, we're actually, we're all one, if that makes sense. And, actually, and, and my point being that with actions reverberating, I might have a grandchild who goes to Poland at the age of 17, and they might have a grandchild who's out there and my grandchild experiencing racism or being attacked and their grandchild because of their grandma or grandma telling about their experience with Lee with yeah, my real name Lee that come over to teach us that actually this is a good person no that's wrong actually this person's just like us and that might stop them from getting attacked bullied robbed whatever and that's the experience mm. that that I want to give and it's the butterfly that's yeah, the butterfly yeah. effect, you know what I'm saying yeah that's, that's I forgot that's, your, well, I was going to say I forgot the back end of the question you were saying yeah, that was it. I was, I was basically, do you agree? And my, my, what I was saying is that I agree in the first part. I disagree in the first part. But in regards to the second part of the statement, which is the vast majority of her life will be boring, not noteworthy, and that's okay. Yeah, I agree. That is okay. Because a lot of life can be boring. There's so many Monday days and yeah. nights that we have. And if you're so endorsing Instagram or these other platforms that um, are around you would think that these people are living 24-hour rock star lives like every minute of their day is popping and it's not like that at all. It's not like that at all. Don't get me wrong, there's people that do live these fantastic lives and they are doing a lot of things, but behind the lens, it doesn't mean every second that it is as good as what it looks on those on those images, whether it's with a filter or without a filter or whatever it may be. Do you know what the maddest thing is as well? And I don't know if you guys can relate to this, but the t- in the temporary period, I've lived three or four days where I haven't, where I haven't been in routine. Bro, it's mad unbalancing. Mm. It's mad. I don't know if you experienced, but True. it's mad. Um, uh? That's it's mad you. unbalancing. It just feels like I don't feel like I'm me. I don't feel like I'm in this. What? It's weird. It's like, 
like there might be three or four days I don't know I can't give an example right now but where I haven't had a chance I don't sound weird but catch up on the news mm. not necessarily watch the news but just catch up with what's going on in, in my everyday surroundings or in the world mm. and it's just matters you're in your own little bubble and it could just be it's like a whirlwind that can take you and you never come back yeah. do you know what I'm saying so when I've, I've experienced it just being your everyday Joe so imagine people that are rock musicians or yeah. whatever where they're always travelling they could be travelling for months and on tour and yeah, they don't yeah. know what's going on they're yeah. just in their bubble yeah. and for me it's just it's a, it's just a bit unbalanced it's just unbalancing yeah of course it's mad unbalancing I think it's because we're creatures of habit I mean it's because I've travelled a couple of times I know how that feels as to the unbalancing but as you say whirlwind it can be it can be whirlwind where you are living a rock star rock star lifestyle um, not entirely but I mean living a good lifestyle um, but yeah it can become unbalancing yeah um, anything else on chapter three that you want to mention? Um, chapter three, let me see. Do you know what? And I, I don't, I don't know why he threw it in there, yeah. But mm. I really liked um Mark Manson, the awful Mark Manson story about him in school, mm. where he got caught with the drugs. Yeah, 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 So I'll just go into it, and I don't actually. Hopefully, one of you guys can raise a valid something valid that can add value to the podcast. Is that in chapter three? Yeah. Okay. Cool. But um, yeah, I'm sure it was. So but he um, so Mark Manson when he was in school. He was in his class one day and randomly, I think either that the headmaster or the principal or the assistant or the vice principal or assistant headmaster or whatever you want to call them, deputy headmaster, come into his classroom and told him to gather his things and come with the come with him. He he escorted Mark Manson to his locker and um got him to empty his locker and then said to him, Come with me to my office. So he's gone with the the principal, or whatever vice principal to the office. And then the vice principal's literally gone through every last bit of his items to the point where he's actually tipped the bag undone and looked at um, Mark Manson bewilderingly like, where's the drugs or no drugs today? And Mark Manson said, sorry, I don't know what you're talking about. And what was so mad about it is that when I was reading about it, I believe Mark Manson that he, ha- he didn't have any drugs. Because mm. so when you read about it, Mark Manson comes across like he doesn't know what's going on. What's happened is Mark Manson, in, he's, he's got like a little secret compartment in his bag and at the last moment, the principal has actually stepped on the bag and felt something under his shoe and then he's found a hidden compartment and he had some like marijuana in or something. And I don't know what the point of Mark Manson's story was in this. It was mm. something, I know he got caught and I know it related back to his parents being very like, um, mm. you, you know this word, French, you've mentioned it before, where they're very laissez-faire almost, but there's a good word that you normally lax. use. Is it like, not lax, they're very laissez-faire, very relaxed attitude to life. Almost almost like the subtle lot of not giving up. They do give a fuck, but almost like, oh, I'll be Blase. okay. Blase. Yeah. And um, I know that when he got home, he didn't really get into much trouble. I can't remember how it relates to the chapter. Yeah, but he was talking about entitlement. So the behaviour from... Yeah. So what happened was he got in trouble and then from there he went to... I'm not going to say I'm gonna say a boarding school. He got homeschooled, then boarding school. No, he went school. to a churchy... Chris school. Pentecostal yeah. Christian. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, school, which he didn't really fit into. Yeah, and then ultimately something happened. His parents got divorced. It affected him. From there, he started seeing loads of different women. Yeah. They developed a level of entitlement. Mm-hmm. Boom, 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 so on and so forth. I mean, yeah, that was that's how the story kind of played out towards So him. what was it in terms of the entitlement thing? Entitled to what? Um, I think with his parents having a real um, lax or blasé yeah. attitude, I think he was always... I think there was a level of entitlement. I forget what he was entitled to. And then when it became... When his parents did divorce... He started seeing loads of different women, and then yeah. it became a um, it became I don't want to say lazy, but didn't have a job, all that type of stuff. Yeah. And in seeing women, it had a sense of entitlement. Anything more? Um, just right, very quickly. I mean, I what did I say? Um, 
Um, at the moment, or this generation, obviously, there's a lot of entitlement coming into play. Um, I don't remember. I don't know. Do any of you remember having any entitlement? Just very quickly before I continue. In what way? Um, as a kid, entitlement. Two. Um, a very similar to um, entitlement, as in. Um, I used to get pocket money every now and then, and I think I was entitled to that for not doing pretty much F all. At what age? Like five or I get. At, no, at what in age? In high school. I don't know. High school. Well, before I was working, like from I 16. If you're that's born the in a Western society, you're going to feel entitled to some shit around at some point in your life. Yeah, okay. But I think his. I mean, I'm not too sure how old he was at that age, but mm. I guess I see your point. I see your point. And obviously, that's a very broad statement, but. I do think in the grand scheme of things, if you're born in the UK, especially, you've had some enti- kind of entitlement at one stage in your life. That's you not felt, great. No, I, th- I definitely understand that. In terms of pocket money, I think you may believe you're entitled to pocket money. But I'm talking about maybe greater entitlement, that you're entitled to um, have those trainers or have those jeans. Maybe that's the reason why people go out, I'm not saying people go out and rob and steal and stuff like that, mm-hmm. but I'm talking about that stuff, that's something that's popped up recently, certainly on the radio today, as to... Mm-hmm. Um, putting things together. Oh, Sadiq Khan's come under a lot of attack because Don't talk about this guy. It was in the paper today, I think. So he, some of um, the agreeable over What's there, that moped fool? Um, Boris. Boris. Boris is attacked. Oh, listen. Boris, oh, yeah, I know you've been mentioned. So Boris. Some, I've got him in the papers today, apparently. And um, oh, listen, Boris boy. I haven't asked you why you said that, but I mean, they've what? got. No, I haven't asked you. So I'm saying is like um, they've attacked him. I think him and. George Osborne, another mug. George Osborne, why did another you just keep him? Another <laughs> he mug. He must himself in that <laughs> crusty briefcase he used to have wrapped up with, Another absolute mug. All right, sorry. All right, so. You know man there, boy? So they, I think they buried him, all right? So um, I think a lot of people come on the radio or either defending him or attacking him. And some of the things were brought up in regards to kids and um, doing more for the kids in terms of um, their health, their health, their education, this and that, the third. So they wouldn't have to do things such as that. But some of the stuff that was brought up as regards to entitlement, as in, because kids want those things and they can't afford those things, there's a sense of entitlement that's brought in somewhere where they go and they... Can you get back to social media, do you think? I think you definitely can. In the Western society, I think we we very much are an entitlement, entitlement society where we think we should have those things that we see without working for it. Like, even... One... Even even down to um, again relating back to my godson's birthday party. How was your godson? He's now, I want to say five. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, I was there yesterday. Five, five or six. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's bad. But basically, um, yeah, one of the kids have gone up to hit the pinata. Yeah, yeah, um, and. It's got put in over his eyes, and he felt claustrophobic because the mm-hmm. the the band mm-hmm. was it the bandage? Not yeah, bandage. Um, yeah. Band- let's call it for that for lack of yeah, a word. Yeah, yeah. Um, he couldn't see. He got claustrophobic because it was covering his eyes or whatever. And he's like, "Oh, what's wrong? What's wrong?" He's like, "Yeah, he didn't want to do it." I was like, and he was like, "Yeah, I, just, I only wanted the sweets." And he was like, "You wanted the sweets, but you didn't want to do the work for it." So you feel entitled to get the sweets, but you don't want to swing and work to get the sweets. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. that, and that's obviously it's a very basic example, mm-hmm. but it's very much how we are in this society, and especially when we've got um, things like social media. When you see people that look like us or come from the same background as us, mm-hmm. and they see them with their certain designer clothes and certain name brand this and a certain name brand that, it's like okay, well he's got it or she's got it I should have that as well I should have it not because 
I'm going to go and work for it or I'm going to put in this uh, make this create this opportunity or whatever it may be I'm going to go volunteer whatever, whatever it may be to go and earn it I, I should just have it because they've got it I'm entitled to have it they've, they're from where I'm from I should have that as well do you know what I mean it's that entitlement that <laughs> I think social media definitely does help um, create I'm not going to say it's the, the the nucleus of it all but it definitely helps in add fire to to the flame see I, I mentioned in this book and I was gonna I was gonna drop you a message in regards to it because we had a little debate about it when we were um, in White City as to the development of emotions mm. so now I believe oh that question again yeah, yeah. no no it's in him so it was in oh. him alright so I'm not gonna so we've missed it probably he's gone over it so we're my, anyway alright so <laughs> so I believe I think some of that can be born out of that in that you don't necessarily know how to not necessarily manage your emotions in that obviously you see something you like and it's mm. case I like it I want it there's it's a very very simple form of emotion whereas mm. there's not a case of understanding that actually in order to want and have that thing I need to do this that and the third in order to get it yeah. I mean my sense of entitlement I mean what I specifically remember when I was I must say 14, 15 I don't know why this even crossed my mind I remember thinking to myself you know what I'm gonna, I'm gonna, so I was about to swear I'm going to leave I'm tired of mom, with my mum and my dad It'll get, get up, irritate me at that point in time and I thought so you know what I'm, I'm leaving I'm getting out of here so I must have walked out of the house and I and when I mean walked out of the house I didn't go far I'm talking about open the door and close the door alright <laughs> <laughs> no I mean dead serious I mean open the door and close the door alright and um, obviously there must be one or two things going on at a time and I walked out and science hit me as in yo if these lot don't care no one actually gives a monkeys no, and when I mean no one, I'm talking about like, uh, like almost like a thirty, like the, like a thirty year old Andrew spoke to me and said, "No one cares." <laughs> and then I thought, "Yo, I better act up, you know. I better go back inside and just humble myself." There's no like because you can't get your own way. I don't think that was the case, but yeah. just because you can't get your own way, it doesn't necessarily mean you should throw your toys out of pram. You know, you yeah. got to work hard like everyone else in order to have this and a third. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, Whilst we're moving on, chapter four, the value of suffering. Can you guys, any of you remember the story of Onan, Ona, Onoda? Yeah, that was bad. Yes, that's that a, was a big bad story. Bad story. How you mean? Bad story. How you mean? Also, I'm glad we were. <laughs> 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 One. He wants to um, like, kind of give a brief statement or a brief rundown of the story. Um, I'll say I'm seeing everyone to listen here. To listen here, I was excited. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. you know, man, like a no doll, you know, <laughs> man, like <laughs> okay, so repping, so repping, even yeah. when it's gang, gang. <laughs> so when it's crunch time, even when it's no more crunch time, it's still repping. That's gang. So just cutting, obviously, if I miss anything out. Yeah. So obviously, there's a no doll, and I'm gonna say Suzuki. That's not when his name. Yeah, well, he two, comes in later. He comes yeah. in later. But obviously, yeah. when the stories kind of cross, cross paths. <laughs> so a no doll was I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say he was a war veteran as such. Um, obviously, when Second World War started, obviously he fought in the war. Um, the war finished as such. Yeah, I nah, think man, it, you're cutting out too much. To right, cool, yeah, jump I'm in. Gonna, jump I'm gonna jump, story, so I'm gonna jump in. I'm gonna jump in. I'm gonna jump in. But I'm gonna, let, I'll let you carry on. But let me just jump in. So you're right. It's 19 mid 1940s, 44 maybe, 44, 45 around there. It might be in 46. I can't remember. It's 45. Everyone's 44. 44. Right, it's 44. Okay. Right. Yeah. What's happened now is remind me which troops are in the Philippines? Is it the Americans? It's the war against Japan. Yeah, and it's America. Is it, yeah, it Americans? Americans are into the, the Philippines, Philippines now. Yeah. yeah, Japan have realised that they're now they're losing the war in it. Yeah, and they've retreated slightly, but back into the forests and stuff and the kind of woodlands and whatnot. But wow. they're, they're they're lacking. They're limited in numbers now. 
Anuku's what's the name Anuka? Anodu. Anodu. Anodu's part Anodo. of these guys, so they know they have they've got limited Man, like resources. Anodo. America are trying to go from the Philippines all the way up to Japan. What they've done, they've started to f with like the forest, like burn. They've said, you know, what? we know we can't battle them one on one. Let's try and cut supplies. So they've started to burn the woods. They've started to like remember this is Anodu and free Manila. Yeah? It's just freeing him, him and it's his not, three it's dogs. Not, it's not one. No. <laughs> it's him and his right. three dogs. Yeah, so they're, they're burning supplies in the forest land. They're killing um, cattle. They're trying to say, do you know what? We the can't battle them one-on-one. On one. Let's, let's, like, let's try and fight with them. Anyway, the Americans are still proceeding. Obviously, there's there's thousands of Americans. There's only a couple of men from Japan. So they're still getting... It's all cutting through, basically. And they've, they're killing off one at a time. Poco, I'll let you go back now. Now, you can see, I think you still... No, 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 go on. All right, cool. Okay, so... Um, obviously they're killing off cattle they're burning down I want to say the forest there I say or yeah. wherever they are they're trying to cut they're trying to cut supplies to limit they're trying to do anything they can without direct combat basically because they know that one on one they'll lose there's not enough of them yeah of course so I they're hiding that. and coming out and doing things let me just add one little specific yeah. thing as well yeah um, that August half a year later the United States dropped atomic bombs on the cities of Hiroshima yeah. and Nagasaki and that pretty much done the war yeah. Japan surrendered yeah. and the deadliest war in human history comes to its dramatic conclusion yeah but however exactly oh however thank you okay yeah. so at that point yeah. um, I'm going to say the US or the, I'm going to say the Japanese or the US or the Japanese anyway, were um, somehow I want to say delivering the Japanese or, are still are still hiding and they're still hiding but letters are being put in places in regards to the wars over you can come out yeah so <laughs> is his name Anudo <laughs> Anoda. Anoda. Right, Anoda, right. Anoda. Because, because Anoda is in the forest land, America's done this in two of Japan's biggest cities and Japan government or whatever have said, do you know what? The war's done. We've yeah. lost, basically. America conquered the war. But because my man's hidden in the woods, he doesn't know this. He's not in Japan at the time. He's still Is he still in the Philippines in the woods? He's still in the woods. He doesn't know what's going on. So what's happened now is, remember now, American troops are going home. They're done. Like The war's over. They're going home. What's happened now is locals, Japan government, they started to drop leaflets around the woods. He's found a couple of leaflets and thought it's American. What's the, what is, it's pro, what's propaganda? propaganda. Yeah, it's America. He thought it's American propaganda. He thought it's fake news, as we would the term call it now. He's just ripped them up and burned them to shreds thinking, now nah, they wanted to come out to kill him. It's not really happening. Remember, he hasn't got no access to nothing, so he don't know what's going on. He's up in the woods. P. Oh, well, Karen. No, said, no, you said, no, you started. P. No, no, no. Go on. No, because no, I think no. you're there now. No. Go on, come on. I had to give a bit more backdrop. Go on. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. Go on, it's your story. I'm sipping. One. It's your story. One of you talk, please. Come on. Go on, P. I'm stopped. Oh, so why? P, stop. So why, I mean? Be professional. Come yeah, on. Now, P, serious. We'll talk. Go on. No, please, no, please, no, please, not, please, no, please, please. I forgot please. where I was now. You just don't know the story. No, I do. Go right, on, five on. years mm. went by. Mm. The leaf that said stopped. I might as well just read the damn thing. Go on. I'm going to read it, then you can jump in at some point. If you want, P. This guy, I'm laugh. Five years went by, the leaflet stopped, and most of the American forces had long gone since gone home. The local population of Lubang attempted to return to their normal lives of farming and fishing. Lubang is the area in which he's hiding out, right? Yeah, that's the island. Yeah. Yet there was Hiro Ononda and his merry men still shooting at the farmers, burning their crops, stealing their livestock, murdering the locals and wandering too f- who were wandering too far into the jungle. The Philippine government then took to drawing up new flyers and spreading them across the jungle. Come out, they said, the war is over, you lost. But these two were ignored. Do you want to then go from here? You were saying you put your No, no, no. No, no. Have you forgotten? 
No, I noticed it. We're going pretty. You pretty no, young. no, I've spent enough. We're meant to split this equally. In 1952, the Japanese government made one final effort to draw the last remaining soldiers out of hiding throughout the Pacific. This time, the letters and pictures from the missing soldiers' families were airdropped, along with a personal note from the emperor himself. Once again, Anoda refused to believe that the information was real. Once again, he believed the airdrop to be a trick by the Americans. Once again, he and his men stood and continued to fight. Another few were. Another few years went by, and the Philippine locals, sick of being terrorised, finally armed them to arm themselves and began firing back. By 1959, one of the Anoda's companions had surrendered and another had been killed. Then a decade later, Anoda's last companion, a man called Kozoku, was killed in a shootout with the local police while he was burning rice fields, still waging war against the local population, a full quarter century after the end of the World War Two. Do you want to go from there, Pete? Yeah, Pete, come on, you, you can have this. Um, yeah, the bit with my man, what's it with the S? You're at that bit now. Who, Suzuki or everything? Yeah. Yeah, how getting, does he come yeah, into yeah, the picture? We're getting, we're getting there. Um, Suzuki, how does he come into the picture? Um, oh my God, I forgot how he's coming to the picture. So basically, the news of Kozoku's death reached Japan and caused a stir. The Japanese people felt, thought the last of the soldiers from the war had come home years earlier. So basically, Ananda becomes like a, a legend. Folklore. Did yeah. he really exist? Is he still alive? Yeah, yeah basically. It's like that. And this is where Suzuki comes he might, in. Yeah, because my man's been killed, we just found out maybe Ananda's still alive. And a random guy called Suzuki is quite a wanderer. Yeah. And he's a bit of a hippie. And he just like wants to go on adventures gets into the picture and he goes into the forest to look for Ananda. He's not looking, just looking for Ananda, he's looking for Ananda, he's looking for a Yeti and he's yeah. looking for yeah, something else. Yeah, there was, in a the panda. order, he was, the he's order was... Ananda, yeah. Panda yeah. and a Yeti. Yeah, so yeah. Oh, anyway, he's looking for all three anyway. Yeah. Um, and he found, I, I know he definitely found Ananda. Within um, how many days? I'm not too sure how many days. Four. Days. <laughs> 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 I have a quiz, quiz question. How many days? Come on, lads. Come on. It was four days. So the government was looking for my man for years. Yeah. Well, I think. Yeah, and yeah, my yeah. man goes in there and finds him in four days. And he found him. He was calling his name, wasn't he? Yeah. He was calling out his name. And my he man shouted him out. Yeah, yeah, he was yeah. calling his That's name. Madness, P back to you. Um, anyway. <laughs> do, you, do you see who I have here? <laughs> Me. All right, cool. All right, so... Um, Anyway, that's the end of the story in terms of what what took place. Well, it's not. No. No, so he, so he found him. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then from there, um, what happened to Ananda? Did Ananda, not Ananda, Ananda, the Suzuki, the Suzuki, the Suzuki leave him? Because Suzuki went on. No, yeah. Suzuki yeah, he, died. Yeah, no, no, yeah no, he died. Yeah, he died eventually. He found, he found the panda yeah. and he, he went to look for the Yeti, but yeah, it wasn't happening. The abominable yeah. snowman was looking for yeah. him. Yeah. yeah, it didn't happen. Ananda yes anyway and then eventually Ananda obviously returned home to which yeah. obviously he yeah. found obviously Japan had completely changed from well he yeah. turned out a bit of a, the, a hero so to speak but then yeah he, he became a celebrity but because his ideals were of the old Japan 30 years ago and it was completely different changed. to yeah. uh, modern Japan what he was saying was basically falling on deaf ears yeah. so the value of suffering for him was totally different to what he anticipated it to be. So he thought he would, you would think he would come back and be uh, revered and listened to where really they looked at him as like a, a relic of an old st- an old time of mm. Japan. And this is just a representation. It's not, we're taking you seriously. It's just, oh, here's the guy that was 
way for 30 years. In a way for, yeah, he's been in his own TV, world. give us your interviews, but then when he gives his views on how Japan was and what it should be, yeah, no, yeah. what the hell is this guy on about? He's yeah, gone yeah, mad yeah, in the yeah, forest. Yeah, exactly. But basically. Back to you, P. <laughs> You know, that's Liverpool. This man loves cutting me up. He's always if he loves what I say. And then, no, let me have a bit of that. Let me have a bit of that. That's why, if I've ever been quiet, that's the reason why. It's to avoid Mason cutting me up. Anyway, sorry, I can continue because I wrote quite a few notes on this anyway. Oh, so, on the story? Yeah, the general. Oh, can you give us yeah. some backdrop with your I'm not going to give any backdrop. I'm not going to feed your, your opportunity to cut in. Okay, so if suffering is inevitable, if our problems in life are unavoidable, then the question we should be asking is not how do we Hold stop on. suffering? Well, I'm it? not interested. But, um, <laughs> but, but why am I moved to Brazil to die in the end because of all that? Yeah, I know. Are you going to let me get to that or are you just going to keep... No, you just gone on like, bro. Like, no, no, the no, definition no, of suffering. No, no, no. It's still, no, still... No, 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 no. This is before the end of the... You sound like you've got no, Tourette's. No, 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 this is before... Have you got Tourette's, Pops? No, this is before no, no, the end no, no, of the... No, 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 no. this is before the end of the chapter. <laughs> it's before the end of the chapter. It's before the end of the chapter, pal. All right, cool. I'm not into Go on, then, go on. No, no, go on, finish. Go on, then, fella. No, sorry, no, back now. I'll do go on, then, finish. Go on, fella. You're telling us about Brazil. Go on, fella. Andy. You're telling us about Brazil. Go on, fella. Go on. Go on. You said you were going to mention it as part of Rats. Oh, no, no, no. You tell us about Brazil. You're very keen to cut me up. <laughs> Long story short, Japan isn't what isn't the home he once it once was for him, and he ends up moving to Brazil to die. Long story short. Yeah. P, do you want to conclude? Nah, Mason, do that because he's only going to cut me up. So you can do that. It's, it's pointless. It's cut, every time I speak, he cuts me up. Oh, can I get a bit of that? Can I please? Can I have what you got? Is it, oh, that entitlement. Can I have what you got? Can I have what you got? That's why I sit in reserve, mate. Let me just, let me hope he gets everything. Or, or why I hope? Why I let him speak first? So he's got all of it out, and then he's tired, maybe, and then I can speak. Right, seeing that you've concluded, maybe just let me start again. Okay, so if suffering is inevitable, um, if our problems in life are unavoidable, I'm in a thousand notes. Can I get them out, please? <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> And then the question we should... If that's not notes, actually, it's part of something... Anyway. It's a good Yeah, I know. Ooh, the question, you might be kind of like, oh. <laughs> This is a man who just skimmed over the book and <laughs> read the book in one day. Anyway, then the question we should be um, asking is not how we stop the suffering, but why am I suffering? For what purpose? So let your struggle stand for something. Nelson Mandela, whether it's Martin Luther King, um, not going off looking for a Yeti, um, like Suzuki. Um, and in Ananda's case, obviously, although it was sad, um, because he fought in a war and because of values um, which other countries didn't believe in, came home and his country's values are changed. To, uh, um, to which you ask, am I fought, sorry, I fought for the country I love for 40 years, 30 years more than I should have. I come back and my country doesn't love me or feel the same way. That's why I'm not going for to war, bro. All hmm. the men them that war that go to war for the for England and come back with a, with with no limbs and them things there and they're just living in squalor and no one cares and you know what I'm saying? Families moved on. It's long. Yeah, of course. No, I'm not going to war. It's a whole different issue. Hmm. But um moving on slightly, the self awareness onion. Oh, yeah. Self awareness is like an onion. There are multiple layers to it and the more you peel them back, the more likely you're going to start crying at inappropriate times. Have you ever cried randomly? And that's to any one of you. Not randomly. But I've had females do it to me. Has that happened to you guys? Well, yeah, I Random, randomly start crying, they don't know why they're crying. Yeah. Like lying in bed or whatever. And they just start crying, like, I'm sorry, I don't know why I'm crying, it's full emotional. I've actually done it once, still. I've actually cried randomly. Like, I was. I'm going to say randomly. It wasn't random. 
but I had a lot of things going on and I was just pissed off about certain things and um, yeah I just had a lot of emotion going on and tears started forming in my eyes and I was just becoming more upset and more upset and yeah so just, what age were you roughly? Um, this, this is, is last week it's <laughs> 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 the day mate it's the day no this is of, of recent yeah I'm not going to say it's been this year but it's been of recent years recent time okay, yeah cool. recent time and um, yeah um, but again having that self awareness I was able to obviously bring myself back up and be positive and see um, ask myself why am I feeling like that or okay cool just not even to say oh, knock, that, knock, knock it on the head and leave on it but just get on with it just like cool dust yourself off whatever cool keep it moving and I felt better for it it's funny you say that so it's very very quick you see the um, the question the other day which no one understood or we laughed at or we, we debated about mm. so it's come up anyway so um, we have emotional blind spots um, often they so often they so often they have to do with emotions that we would that we would taught were inappropriate or it says when we were inappropriate when we were growing up but it's more a case of emotional blind spots in that we haven't quite developed them as of yet anyway mm. that was just that point that um, we discussed the other day <laughs> do you understand did you get that emotional blind spots no, no, one, quite, no, one, no, no, no one understood it the other day anyway but they're all for mention anyway so I thought I'd bring it up but how does that oh, Monson, I love you <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to mention everything you say. How does that tie into what your question was? I didn't have a question. Oh, shit. I didn't have a question. All right, cool. Moving on. <clears throat> the first layer, understanding <laughs> one's emotions. Second layer is an ability to ask why we feel certain emotions, which is on page, page 70. Do you ever stop to ask why you feel the particular emotion? Yeah. You actually actively ask yourself, "Why am I feeling like this?" Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I agree, yeah. P. So no, yeah, I do. Yeah, I feel a certain way, and yeah, I feel there's a need to ask why. Okay. It goes back to the what was we discussing before the negative the loop. What's it called? Yeah, the, the yeah. Yeah, negative yeah, yeah. feedback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I gave it. I know I gave an example. I've, yeah. Yeah, we have we have touched on it. Yeah. Um, the third level is our personal values, and. When I'm saying about when I'm saying the third level, I'm talking about the multiple layers of self awareness and it being like an onion. Just to reiterate, um, the third level is our personal values. Why do I etc. or how am I etc. Most people are horrible at answering these questions, these why questions accurately, and this pre- prevents them from achieving a deeper knowledge of their own values, which is on page seventy two. For many people, this passes as self awareness. And yet, if they were able to go deeper and look at their under, underlying values, they would see that their original analysis was based on avoiding responsibility for their own problem, rather than accurately, accurately identifying the problem. They would see that their decisions were based on chasing highs and not generating true happiness, which is on page 73. Our values determine the metrics by which we measure ourselves and everyone else's. Ananda's value of loyalty to the Japanese Empire is what sustained him in lo- sustained him on Longberg, Longbang for mm-hmm. almost thirty years. But this same value is also what made him miserable upon his return to Japan. 
What or who dictates your values? I think it's gone. I thought you were going to speak. Oh, I thought you were, okay. Um, I just think it's your experiences when you're growing up, really. I mean, that's my personal opinion. I think you form them as to what's important to you, and then from there, they form your values. Yeah, it's hard, man, because it's. I I would say I've got a different moral compass to, say, my mum, my dad. Yeah. Um, maybe values as well, but no, certain values have been instilled have been instilled for me by family. I know that for a fact from growing up. And like moral compost and stuff, I, I think it's different from my mum and dad. It's, it's it, I think it's peace, similar to what you said. <laughs> environment, perhaps. It's a bit of everything. Environment, uh, life experience, personal life experience, things that might have happened to you, what you might have experienced, both positive and negative. It's hard, to, it's hard, it's hard. It's definitely hard. But that's the only things that pinpoint, like, when I'm thinking about it right now. Mm-hmm. Um, what about you, French? I agree. I agree with you. I think you're... Um, it's, it's, you can't break it down to a what or a who. I think they're both combined. I think what dictates your values can be your situation in the time of your life and what you value as important is different to what you value when you're a teenager. What you value your time to see in your family may be different to when you get older when you value that time a lot more because you know there is a, a date, so to speak, where... Yeah, it's, you're not going to be able to see these same people, so your value on time may be different, or the who dictates it. Your circle may dictate the value of a life, so to speak. Like if you're running in, I don't know, just just go to the extreme and say you're you're banging in in LA and your buds and crips. Your value of a life mm. is completely different if you're in a whole different circle of people. If you're living in a community where everyone is fending for each other so the value of a life is going to be much more because if this person dies the job that they may have been doing can't be done by someone else so it now that the value of that person is is that much more than what it would usually be for, per se in a gangbang in uh, confrontation so it depends on your scenario where, where you are who you're with I think it's always evolving. I think your values are always evolving as the years go by. Do you think you have core values or, 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 or core, yeah, core values? I think you like have that, core that values, change. but I don't think you can ever stick to something so stringently that it can't be changed because you have to be to an extent um, ignorant to to new knowledge. Otherwise... That's in the book as well. Yeah, exactly. You, can't, you can't stick to... Jimmy. Yeah, yeah, that goes back to relates to Jimmy. Where if you if you think this is the be or an end all, you can't. You almost stop taking in new information. Don't be like Jimmy. Remind me of Jimmy's story. Um, he was. I'm gonna say he um, just he had a rich. I'm gonna say rich family, and yeah. then. Um, I'm going to say he was a salesman, but I could be wrong. He was a bullshit. Yeah, he was oh, a bullshit. Yeah. Billy bullshit. Billy bullshit. Yeah. yeah, so essentially, yeah, yeah, he was a Billy yeah, bullshit. yeah. I remember now. Yeah, I remember. Um, do you know when you were speaking French I pointed at P and the reason yeah, being do you, go go. Do you, no I was pointing at you because I remember we used to always say life is cheap around there North West Stonebridge all around yeah, there yeah I, yeah I don't even go to oh, I found not with fuss anyway um, I just remember when I was at uni um, the people who I lived with I mean every there was a I remember there was like a week period where they were saying like oh someone got shot like as in dead someone, this person got shot dead this person dead and, I, and that one time I sat down and said Yo, I said, yo, life is cheap around there. As in, people just get the stories I would hear. I thought were well, mad, and it was the norm. 
So yeah, it was a norm. Like, yeah, yeah, it was a problem. Their kind of value, not values, that's the wrong word, but almost like morally, it was like, well, if he's dead, he, if he dies, he dies. What's that film? If he dies, he dies. But that's how I think we are in society right now anyway. Like, in general, bruv, there's bare man are getting poked up or burst out or shot or whatever. We just don't hear about it. Yeah, that's 100%. There's so many crimes that we just don't hear about. And when we do about it, it's like, ah, cool, keep it moving. We become blasé about it, do you know what I mean? So our value for life is now becoming... It, I think it also becomes altered by the media as well because mm. we get shown so much of these things or that, yeah, we do become blasé to it. And it was funny that... Um, where I can't remember what, what area it was... But it was like basically, it might have been Scotland. But there's a lot of stabbings and, Yo, and killings. Was wild at one point. But the, it still now. it still goes <laughs> off over there. But you won't hear about it. And there was another. I think there was a there was a client that was telling me actually about there's a particular area and there's murders there all the time. In Scotland, or so no, what? just in England. It's yeah. a particular area, but it's a it's a middle class area. Yeah. But there's a lot of like deaths over there like a lot of suicides and a lot of fuckery that happens over there but because they don't want the area to have a bad reputation and people start moving out mm. it doesn't get publicised and mm-hmm. it doesn't get mentioned in the papers and it doesn't if you were to do the stats the death rate would be quite high in comparison to say certain inner um, boroughs or hoods or whatever you want to call it do you know what I'm saying and so it's that in itself, and I, I guess I think this is a bit of a different subject, but it can be dictated by our society's media as it stands at the moment. Sorry, I'll just very quickly then I want to add something as to what you were saying, as to the topic. Mm-hmm. Um, Scott, I've definitely heard about Scotland before. In fact, that's been raised very recently in, in like drawing comparisons with Scotland yeah. and obviously London itself, because London seems to be a place where everyone focuses their attention. Yeah. But I remember having a passenger before, and we were having a conversation, she goes, Liverpool? Is it where she yeah, was from? Yeah, yeah. She goes, she goes London she feels safe no doubt she feels a lot safer in London in comparison to Liverpool and she says she couldn't really put a finger on why no one ever mentions Liverpool do you know what's mad um, some, uh, not the neighbour got burgled that I explained before um, two doors down but my next door neighbour so on Friday I was um, I jumped on a, on a train and my neighbour just happened to be on the same carriage as me and she was coming back from um Westfields in Stratford, so we was talking for ages, and this is my next door neighbour just there, mm. and um, she was saying, um, Eve, she goes, madness has happened on our road in the years, I was like, I know, like, someone got killed once upon a time, their hand got chopped off, and they got stabbed and everything, they got killed on our road, burglary, there was some weird man tried to break into my house, there's been gun police, there's been a lot of stuff on this road, yeah, and she was saying, do you know what's crazy, like, even though this stuff's happened, I still feel so safe on this road. Whereas when I go to like east or south or north London, by the way, it just feels weird. And I said it's just familiarity. That's all it is. Yeah. But like, it's mad that you say that because you actually hitting like the stuff you're saying about all this stuff's happened on the road. It has, and you know we should be worried, but actually we're not. And I think it's just familiarity and the fact nothing's happened to us. It just feels safe. And I said I explained to her, I said Do you know what's crazy. I said I don't think the fact I have to live here and, and come here every day. I don't think I could, if I walked on my road and someone would come and try to rob me, I don't think I could take it. I think they'll have to kill me. I don't think I'd be like, do you know what? Here's a tenner. That's all I've got on me, and a tenner for my life. I don't think I can have it because I have to come to this road every day. I'd actually have to put up a fight or whatever, mm. and something has to happen to me. 
because I have to come every day. I think you made a good point in terms of, and we'll get back to the actual point. So let me but, just, do you mind if I just but, touch um, on? Yeah, I think what you're saying about familiarity, mm. when someone's not from the area or from, say, London per se, and they hear all these, all about the gunplay, the knife play and everything, and they say how dramatic it is and how rough it is and blah, blah, blah. For us living in it, it's normal. Like this is normalised. This is day to day. Like being from like where I grew up in Shepherd's Bush or whatever. Like you'd hear people say, "Oh, it's a bad area," or blah 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 blah. This is pre Westfield, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but they would say, "Oh, this is a bad area. It's a bit rough down there." But growing up in it, I just saw it as this is just. I I have so many happy days there. I don't even know what you're talking about. <clears throat> but like, and even going back to coming up and I used to see man getting poked up and we'd be laughing about it like actually I can actually remember walking me and my me and my brothers walking through um, one of the estates I can't remember which one but we was walking through one of the estates and we saw in a, um, one of the uh, side alleys I don't know if it was yeah it was, I think it was a kitty in the dealer mm. someone was getting chefed up <laughs> Someone was getting chefed up, and me and my brother saw it, and we was in stitches, bro. Like, but it was so normal for man. It was just normal. Like, it was nothing to think about. Eyelid. We actually laughed at someone getting chefed up on the road, and we just kept it moving to the party he was going to. And it's, that's just standard, though. To anyone else that's seeing it or hearing it, it's to be like, what do you mean? You just saw someone getting stabbed up, and you laughed, like, mm. and you kept it moving. But it was so normal to us. Like, even thinking about it now, it's like that was kind of bad still I kind of fucked up but it was never a second thought so so you yeah. become it becomes normal to you I, I remember pre-Westford before Westford it was Bush Market that was the go-to place for, for exclusive trainers and that mm. if you weren't from Bush and I, I'm not going to mention his name but I don't know if you remember you weren't there but I don't know if you remember I've heard the story before yeah so one of our brethren so we're from a little bit not weird but yeah I didn't grow up in Bush. I grew up in West London, but further out from West London. I'm um, further out from Bush. And we used to go to Bush Market and you could buy exclusives there um, in the market and that. Not real stuff, obviously, but it was just, it happened to be in the Bush Market. But obviously that would attract certain man in there, obviously, because a hood man wants exclusive stuff or all the rest of it. And I remember I wasn't there, but my brethren went with my other brethren. And I remember like some youths from South come over and my brethren, they just tried, they just stuck on my brethren. Like they just, put something against his back and started going through his pockets and I remember my other brethren that was there had to say yo hey yo what are you doing what are you, like, what are you man doing what's going on over here like nah fuck all that and I don't I can't remember if he got moved up in the end or whatever but it was a risk like I remember just going into another area even though it's still west we weren't familiarised we didn't really have enough links or contacts in that area so that if certain went down we can ring someone or, or you're affiliated to someone so that certain men would say nah that's my man's brethren or cousin or whatever so it's just crazy and I remember when I was young certain areas Peckham what am I going there for Brixton what am I going there for I don't have any affiliations no need for me to be down there I didn't go enough that's not like Peckham I was in my 20s do you know that P I might have even went with you and I was, it was all like it was taken in a new country I'm not even lying <laughs> yeah. I might have even went with you you know one evening to go and meet someone down there or to an outside drinks thing or whatever when I was like mid 20s I hadn't been there before 
What's in Peckham for me? All you used to hear was about gigs and his boys. You know what I'm saying? Like rappers <laughs> and that. I didn't know anything. I just knew that it was a matting. It was a jungle down there. Sorry, in the French, I know you want to go. Let me just quickly yeah, just sum it up. In a rare interview in 2003, a tearful Mustaine, I believe his name is, isn't it? Mustaine, I believe his name is, admitted that he couldn't help but still considered himself a failure despite all he achieved in selling 25 million records. Mustaine was part of Metallica, but That's got kicked out, um, to which they wanted to sell 180 million records. Mm. Um, one of the uh, one of the excerpts in the story, in, sorry, in the in the book were, were apes. Um, we all think we're sophisticated with, with, with our designer footwear, but we're just a bunch of finely, um, on, on, sorry, ornate, oh, I can't even pronounce, finally, well, anyway, we're all apes. Um, <laughs> I can't pronounce the word. Or nameted, I think it is. Um, anyway, yeah. uh, because we're apes, we instinctively measure ourselves against others and vie for status. Mm-hmm. The question isn't um, whether we evaluate evaluate ourselves against others. Rather, the question is by what standard do we measure ourselves? Although Dave was talented enough and had the character to bounce back and sell 25 million albums and become an influential musician, Dave's metrics and ambitions were such that if he didn't match or reach the heights of Metallica, there were... There, always would have been a hint of disappointment because of where his values were. The same goes for Pete Best. Although talented and disappointed, his values were more centred around family. And when he settled down to have a family, hmm. though it was the be- thought it was the best thing that happened to him. I think we have different starting points and journeys, um, different standards, motion points and metrics. And depending on those is where you seem to find value. Was Pete Best the one that was in the Beatles originally? Yeah. I think so, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so in summary, like, if I know, I think we mentioned already. If you didn't have much of a family life when you're younger, it may be when you're obviously a little bit older and growing up. Obviously, those may be things that you may hold obviously a bit more dear to you. Likewise, if you're very very talented and don't fulfil your potential, mm. um, sorry, no, if you're very very talented, you may have a scent or piece of uh, resentment if you don't fulfil your of course your talent. To kind of um, conclude with this chapter, I'll read out a few excerpts that I also enjoyed. And thought was worthy of mentioning. If you want to change how you see your problems, you have to change. You have to change what you value, and or how you measure failure or success. That's on page seventy-nine. When we force ourselves to stay positive at all times, we deny the existence of our life's problems. And when we deny our problems, we rob ourselves of the chance to solve them and generate happiness. Problems add a sense of meaning and importance to our life. Thus, to duck our problems is to lead to a meaningless even if it's a supposedly pleasant existence. Some of the greatest moments of one's life are not pleasant, not successful, not known and not positive. That's on page 86. It's true, man. It's one of them stories, <coughs> it's not one of them, but it's stories to the grandkids. Yeah, or exactly. stories to help you learn, bro. Exactly. Don't always have to be a positive experience, bro. The point is to nail down some good values and metrics and pleasure and success will naturally emerge as a result. These things are side effects of good values. By themselves, by themselves, they are empty highs. And it goes into the last part of defining good and bad values. This, in a nutshell, is what self-improvement is really about. Prioritizing better values, choosing better things to give a fuck about. Because when you give about, when you give better fucks, you be, you get better problems, and when you get better problems, you get a better life. That's page page eighty nine. Is there anything else you wanted to add on that? Anyone? Um, no, not really, if I'm honest. Cool. No. Yeah, let's wrap it up there then and we'll get into the next part in part two. Mm-hmm. Cool. Just done it.